There we go. All right. It is Sunday night, a little after 8.15 p.m. Uh, I think this is my second episode in the last, maybe in the last four or five days. So the, the, the pace is picking up. This is pretty exciting. Um, tonight, I've got Blake Skinner with me. Uh, Blake is the head lacrosse coach at TMI in San Antonio. I think he's also affiliated with Mission Lacrosse out of San Antonio as well. Um, Blake and I had, had, had gone back and forth a, a little bit over the last, I'd say, week or so, um, discussing some of the proposals that were bouncing around out there from THSLL and also talking about uh, a proposal that a group of coaches came up with specifically, and Blake represents those coaches. Um, so Blake and I had talked and thought it would be fun to, to come on um, and, and review the proposal that that group of coaches had come up with. Um, you know, the, the idea is going to be we're just, you know, honestly, I want to pitch this over to Blake. I've seen kind of a one-pager on, on, on the proposal. You know, have him talk through the details of the proposal. And, uh, you know, honestly, I've, I've got some questions. And, he, and he's seen some of them, frankly. I, he and I went back and forth on email, and he's seen some of the questions. But, you know, for the purposes of this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-ask him and maybe drill into some of them some more. And, uh, you know, get into the, 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 the details of uh, the, the proposal that these coaches have put together. So, Blake, does that, does that sound reasonable to you? Sounds good to me. Yeah, and there's probably one other thing. Oh, I, I appreciate Oh, sorry. Just one real quick. There's probably one other thing I should admit. Um, this is the first time we've, I've done one of these remotely. We've always done these face-to-face. -face. Uh, but I think given the time, the time constraints and the, and the travel constraints, um, uh, folks from Texas can't appreciate how far Houston and San Antonio are. Uh, that's <laughs> potentially a four, four-and-a-half-hour drive. Um, so, you know, given the time constraints, uh, we're, we're doing this remotely. Uh, we're having this conversation over Skype. I think the quality of the audio is really good. Um, but there may be a little bit of a lag during the discussion. So if there is, I, I, I apologize. But, you know, we'll get it, we'll get it sorted out. And, and frankly, the, the content that Blake wants to discuss is, is going to be there one way or the other, right? So, all right, Blake, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you and probably listen a little bit as you step through the, the coach's proposal. I appreciate it. And thanks for uh, having me on. Um, this is, this is fun. It's my first time I've ever jumped on a podcast. Uh, I take that guys. This is my second time on a podcast, but um, I'm, I'm excited to always talk across. So, um, so the proposal we put together, um, we've got a couple of objectives that we wanted to take care of. Um, one, we, we wanted to find a system that allows as many teams to have a successful season and build progress um, in their programs as, as possible. And, and two, we wanted to have a, a fair state playoff system. I, I think, you know, right now some of the issues we're facing is the constant battle of what's a D1 team, what's a D2 team, wh where do people fit, um, and it's probably the same same arguments we've been having for a good number of years, at least since I've been been coaching here, and I've, I think it's my tenth season at TMI. So, and I previously played in the THSLL um, back in back in the glory days and graduated in '02. So, <laughs> I think my senior year is actually the first year that we went to this D1 D2 model, and there's about. 35 teams in the state, and I think two teams from uh, Louisiana in the THSLO then. I think this past year we're right around 95 programs. So um, we, we may have outgrown the, the D1, D2, D3 model, and um, 
we're we're trying to find something just a, a little bit better. Um, so the general start at the state level for our proposal. For state playoffs, we would like to take all the THSLL and divide it into three equal size groups or what we call classes um, based on males in the host school. So we would have a large class, we would have a medium class, and we would have a, a small class. To qualify for state playoffs, all you would have to do is win 50% of your games during the regular season and then hit whatever our metric is for that year or the percentage of your kids that are from your host school. So we are looking to start this, not this upcoming season, but 2021. Um, and so for the 2021 and 2022 season, that metric would be 70%. So 70% of the, your kids in your program would have to come from your host school uh, to qualify for state playoffs. Um, and if you hit that 50% win mark, um, you're, you're in and you go into whatever class playoffs you you were moved to based on the males in your, your host school. The, the interesting part about this is for your district playoffs or for your districts, we would give the districts autonomy to build whatever structure best fits that district and creates competitive fulfillment for as many teams in that district. So if Houston wanted to have five different district championships and five different levels based on a competitive model like the D1, D2 model, they could. If Dallas wanted to have three district championships based on geography, they could. If Austin wanted to do a hybrid, they could but it wouldn't have any direct effect on the state playoffs. Uh, we are all so different as districts and have different needs and then different, you know, wants for our, our, our area that right now we have a uniform system for all district playoffs. And I don't know that it works great for anybody. Um, so Houston knows Houston best and Dallas knows Dallas the best, San Antonio knows San Antonio the best. So we know where programs are. We know where, where youth programs are. We know um, kind of ends out of everything. So we feel that we are, or the districts are in the best shape to create schedules and structure where everybody feels they have something to play for. Um, so on top of that, we realize that there's, well, let me back that up. So to actually seed the, uh, teams in each of their class playoffs, we've created a pretty simple RPI. We would take your team's winning percentage times it times 0.4, then add in your opponent's winning percentage times 0.6. So we have weighted your RPI more toward your opponent's winning percentage than your actual own winning percentage. And the reason we did that is we didn't want teams going and trying to find the easiest, softest schedule they possibly can. Um, to hit that 50% win percentage. So if you wanted to go really soft on your schedule, you can, but it's going to hurt your RPI and it's going to hurt your playoff seating. And it's going to be really hard for you to get out of that first round of the playoffs. Um, so for some programs, that may be a big, big win for their program. Making the state playoffs would be awesome. And if they get bounced first round, you know, that's an awesome building spot for their programs. But I think if you're, you're serious about wanting to compete for a state championship, You've got to probably build that schedule as tough as you can and still hit that 50% mark. That way your team is as good as it possibly can be because you've played tough opponents during the regular season. 
Um, but it also helps you when it comes to the playoff seeding and, and increasing that RPI. Um, so we, we want teams scheduling as tough as they can uh, outside any games that your district may require of you. Um, so that's kind of our, our, our scenario in uh, a, a small nutshell. So I think at one point when you and I were going back and forth via email, I, I thought I read something about promotion and relegation. Can you explain, and, and if I'm off the mark, yes. if I'm off the mark, tell me, right? But maybe it, it, it explain how that fits into this. Sure. So, so right now, you know, we want competitive fulfillment to go through the playoffs. And if there's a, a team that is just really good and better than everybody else in their class, you know, it, it doesn't behoove anybody for them to sit in that class. Um, but we don't want a situation we have now where, we're in constant arguments about should a team move up, should a team move down, this, that, and the other. So we've created uh, specific metrics that if a team hits those metrics, they will get moved up a class. And so basically if a team does anything, any of these metrics are medic move up. So if they hit, they win two state championships, make three state finals or four state final fours in a five-year period, they would automatically move up to the next class uh, that next season. Um, given the teams can relegate, but the only teams that are available, go ahead. Well, no, my question was given the, given the variability, especially here in Houston, I I can only speak to Houston, right? But year to year, there's such a variability on some of these teams, right? You may have a team that, that goes, you know, two rounds deep into the state playoffs one year. And, you know, that year they lose 14 Mm -hmm. seniors and the next year, you know, they, they might not be you know, even worth going to watch, frankly, not trying to be ugly, but, um, yeah. So is in that promotion and relegation, is there any, any consideration given to, you know, you know, number of graduates or, or, or anything like that, or is it strictly just appearances in state playoffs and state championships? Um, just for state playoffs. So, so programs, the only program that would be possible to relegate for the state playoff classes, um, would be a program that's moved up and then for some reason isn't as competitive as it used to be. So if you've been moved up one, um, then if you miss playoffs two years in a row, you can relegate back down to your, your natural class size. Um, but as far as programs moving up and moving down um, based on performance or based on you know the roster numbers or anything like that, we, we want to create a system in which we have a metric that we're not getting these arguments at the state level about what a team should do based on their performance or based on what going up down. But at the district level, if you guys have a competition style model with like a D one D two, you guys will know what's coming down the pipeline for that program. And you guys can make an adjustment at the district level. So if they're a, say a top tier team and they're going to, they're going to have a couple of rough years coming in, you could drop them at the district level, but it would have zero effect on the rest of the state. Um, as far as, playoff seating for their class because whatever class they're in, they will go to that class for that, uh, for the state playoffs, should they make it. Um, so what we don't want to have happen is what happened to a lot of teams that got pushed up to the clusters based on their percentages considerable, but they're also increasing their schedule difficulty. So 
what's killing those programs is not that they can't win state anymore. They don't feel like they can win state. It's that they're staring at a one in 12 season. Right. And they don't see a way out of that. Um, and so we've got the state saying, you got to move up and you got to figure it out. And these programs that all got bumped up across the state are now all falling back down. And we brought less teams in D1 now than we probably have ever had. Oh, you so hit, yeah, if you, hit, you guys need to make that adjustment at the district level, you can, but it won't affect anything at the state. And so that team can still have a competitive season at the district level. And if they make state playoffs that year, great. Uh, they're still going to the same class. Um, but you guys know better at the district level on where they stack up and where they compete in, uh, in Houston. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. What, what, what we're seeing or I, what I'm seeing, right. I would say over the last eight or 10 years in Houston, right. The, the quote air quotes growth, right. Is at the D2 and D3 level, new teams that are being created down there that are just hanging around, right. Or teams that are kind of falling down the ladder, right. Maybe they were D1 dropped down to D2. Maybe they were in D2 for a while. And now they've dropped down to D3, right. I, what, what I want to make sure whatever scheme we come up with, right? What I want to make sure happens is we're not just adding rungs onto the bottom of the ladder, right? And I think what's interesting about yeah. about this proposal is the, the quote, governance from a state level sounds like, if I understand this properly, that the, the governance is really just access to the state playoffs, right? That's, that's the only thing that's occurring at the state Correct. level is, are those, I think there were two or three requirements right? That would, that would get you into the state playoffs, everything else from a governance perspective. And I, I'm not sure there's a whole lot, frankly, um, everything else would be, would be managed locally. Correct. Uh, absolutely. So, um, you know, it's, it's almost like the NCAA basketball tournament, you know, you hit, you hit that 50%, you punch the ticket to the tournament and then we, we play it out from there. Um, so, from we have a fair state system that across the board, but we have a variable district system that can allow teams to move how or districts to move teams however they need to, so they have a potential for a successful season going forward. What within that context, what do you see the local, whatever that local governing body is, that district? how do you envision the, the form of that? And what do you really see them doing? I mean, in my brain, it's almost a, a federation that may just manage like, you know, the contract with the officials, you know, maybe stuff like that. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what that local district would really do and what would be really be required there at that level. You know, I, I don't think we would have any recommendations to districts. Um, on, on how they do it because the districts are so different. You know, the geographical distances for some districts are huge. Uh, for others, not as much. Uh, you know, Dallas has got a team in Cumberland Academy out in Tyler that they have to accommodate for. Um, you know, Houston's a, you know, you guys are from east to west, north to south, huge distances. So the only thing we would recommend to districts is that they give everybody something to play for. So even if a program is under the threshold for making state for their, their roster requirements, give that team something to play for. Um, and so as, as those teams grow and get closer to the, the 70% or whatever percentages that year, that they can make that state playoffs. But 
But I know the job of the district is to make sure everybody has something to look for in their in their season. Um, and so it's I have some ideas what we might do in San Antonio, but you guys know Houston so much better than anybody else does. Um, and right now we have the state kind of telling each district how they need to assign their playoff spots and how where they need to stack teams up in their divisions. And um, I don't think the wealth of knowledge about the entire state is, is held at the state board level. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that each of these districts at this point are, are different and have different needs. Um, the, would you envision under this proposal where the teams that do qualify for the state playoffs maybe not play in those district tournaments? So maybe you have the folks that, that don't qualify, have a local, you know, assuming that the Houston district has, you know, two divisions, just just for argument's sake. Yeah. Right. All, all the teams that, that don't qualify for state playoffs maybe play out a bracket right across those two provision, do two divisions to name a, a city championship but those state qualifiers don't participate? I mean, there's a possibility if that's the way the district wants to do it. As far as the calendar goes, um, we have allotted um, a full week to want to do. So um, it will, depending on when this airs, uh, we are doing a full presentation. Um, An email has been sent out to all the programs at length on Tuesday evening. Uh, so depending on when you're listening to this, you may have seen already, but um, as far as the, the calendar goes, when the regular season ends, uh, there will basically be a two-week gap until that first round of Super Regionals for um, state playoffs. And so we give the, the league, each district, about seven full days in there to however they want to do it. Gotcha. And that brings up one of the questions I, I asked you when you and I were going back through the email was uh, back and forth via email was about the scale, right? So, you know, if you have these state playoffs and, you know, we reach this nirvana in the future where we're, we're, we're growing, you know, by le- leaps and bounds, the number of teams that qualify for the state playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, what are the, what are the, the logical, you know, capacity constraints on the, on the, the current proposal or are they even worth considering at this point? Does it even really matter? Um, so we, we modeled out and it, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a flawed model. So we modeled out last season, uh, kind of what a playoff structure would look like at each class. Um, and I think the, the biggest playoff we had last year was a 14 team. Um, anything under 16 is easily done in a two weekend period. If we get above 16, um, which is probably rare, um, we can have a, a, a local play-in game prior to it. So if you're the – if the, the last 17th team is out of Houston, uh, basically what we do is the next lowest team out of Houston would – 15 or 14. And then the winner of that would just move into that whatever slot they would carry – in uh, the state playoffs. So if the 14 seed won that, they just moved to the 14 seed for the state playoffs um, and then go forward from there. And we could, we could accommodate, grow that as much as possible um, if we needed to. But I, right now there are about 71 programs that are eligible for state playoffs. 
um, based on roster eligibility. Um, so unless one class just had a considerably better season than another class and they had a ton of teams and the other one didn't, um, getting over 16 would be, would be rare, but it, we could, we could host it as much as we wanted to. And, um, as the state grows and as teams add, it's scalable. So if we get too many teams and we're getting too big of our playoffs, we just add a fourth class and now we have, and we can just keep scaling up. Um, you know, one of the tough parts about the current system we're in is it was great when we had 35 teams. But I don't know if it scaled so well that now we're at 95. So, right. Gotcha. Hey, I want to go back to the, um, the, the, the promotion and relegation. And, and the example I used in my, uh-huh. email, my email was, um, was St. John's, right? Relatively small school here in Houston. Um, you know, historically very strong lacrosse school. Uh, last season, strong. This season, they're going to be strong again, right? So when you base those classes at, at the state level on student populations, they're going to fall out in the bottom, mm-hmm. right? But from just yeah. a competitive perspective, you know, they're, they're a competitive team. So I'm curious, a team like that, right? I, I get what you're saying with the promotion, but, you know, are they going to start out at that, that, that class truly based on their school size and we're going to have to wait for a few years while they earn their stripes for playoffs and state championships before they bump up? Is that correct? Um, yeah, so I actually had this conversation um, with, with Coach Cohen over there. He's like, you know, we want to play – the biggest, toughest teams. Like we want the hardest schedule we can. And in my response is you can like, if your district puts you in a group or your district structure with the Woodlands and Kingwood and all the, the heavy hitters down there that automatically means you're probably to play them. But if not, you know, it's in your best interest to play the toughest and teams you can, uh, during the regular season to get those games in. Um, and then if, you know, you think you're, you, you want to move up a class, then all you got to do is go earn it. Um, you know, I think sometimes we have the, – the only thing we, when we start thinking about this stuff, the only thing we remember is maybe the last two seasons in our, in our actual memory. Um, and, there, and there's going to be tons of ebbs and flows. And if there's a program that, you know, is dominating a class, then they'll get moved up as they should. Um, but we, we probably need to let the, the games play out and decide it and – um, we'd rather let let the on-field results decide who goes up, who goes down, rather than kind of letting teams dictate where they where they should be. Because um, even if they said, "Hey, we want to move up," um, as soon as we start letting teams opt to move up, there will be an expectation that certain other teams should move up also. Right. So if a St. John's moves up, and then there's another team behind them that fills the spot as you know one of the better teams and, and consistently doing well everybody else is going to be like well they should move up too and now we're back to where we are now is which we have bickering and fighting over who should be up who should not be up um we wanted a system in which the play decided if there's any movement that there's if there's going to be that movement so do you based on that i mean it almost sounds like we we implement this plan and there may be a period of two or three or four years where 
the private schools, just based on their populations, might be down, and I'm going to make numbers up, right? So if we have, let's say, three classes, they might be down. <laughs> they might be down in class two or class one, right? But over time, you know, those guys are going to work their way up, right? So is there going to be a, a period in the short term where, you know, maybe the one of the bottom one or two classes might have these, some of these powerhouse private schools just based on population while they work their way back up the food chain? Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, there are great programs across the state at all school sizes, even if you're as, as big as the Woodlands or small St. John's. Um, so while, te- we, while teams can move up, we just don't want a situation where a team is just well beyond their class. Um, we actually don't think there's going to be a ton of movement up or down either way. Um, but, you know, we will, as far as recalibrating, we'll recalibrate every two years, you know, because those teams add, you know, new programs add or programs drop. So after the first two years, we'll, we'll reseed again. So if a team has had been promoted since then, or is a, a level up, we'll make sure they stay in that upper level. Um, and then it will recalibrate to have equal numbers back down. So if a team moves up and then we recalibrate, that probably means the smallest school in that middle class is going to move down to that smaller class and, and we'll, we'll make it balance out. So, uh, you know, we want the best – if we're going to have multiple state championships, we want the best teams in the state to be the ones winning those state championships. Um, as opposed to right now where you could have a small 100% D1 or D2 program playing a state finals against uh, 50% well, you could call super public going from five schools playing for a state championship. One of those teams is going to win a state championship and you've got a team that could probably beat both of them in division. That's in division one that didn't even make state playoffs. Right. Um, we want to get around that because what's happening is those teams that are really good and probably could beat 70% of the state aren't making the state playoffs in division one. And they're just trying to drop down as quickly as possible because uh, they're seeing some programs drop and then have some immediate success and making some final fours as soon as they drop. And they're sitting up here like, why are we here banging our heads against the best teams in the state every single year here just, uh, just so other teams can have state championships that we're better than? Is this – I've heard um, – I'm going to name drop. I always enjoy name dropping on here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mike Brand, I think he and I were trading texts the other day. And I think he was the first person I heard refer to this proposal as kind of based on the Connecticut model. Is that is that an accurate description? So that's, that's, yeah, so that's actually the, the one of the best things about this model is it's actually been tested out for several years now in Connecticut. Um, and it's funny, talking to coaches as we, we've been kind of telling everybody about this and getting on the phone, um, you kind of have to feel a coach out to tell them when you introduce that fact because uh, if they're from that area, they're like, oh, yeah, Connecticut, we should listen to it. If they're not from that area, they're like, the first response is, well, we're not Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> so you, get, you, you sort out the Texans from the non-Texans real quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a native Texan, too, so I, I completely get it. Um, but actually, the, the similarities are are really close, so – while Connecticut as a state is significantly smaller than Texas, the 
area that which we cover as lacrosse community is about the same size as them. They had about the same amount of programs, um, and they were in a similar model where they were at a competition-based style and had a lot of the same problems we had. Um, so they they changed to this model a few years ago and had awesome success. Um, one of the differences that they currently do and may look to change is they utilize just straight winning percentage as their um, playoff ranking system. And so one of the things they told us is, you know, you may have a team that is 15 and two in a high seed and match up against a, a eight and eight team and the eight and eight team may beat them by seven goals. Just because that eight and eight team challenged themselves, had a much tougher schedule and the, the other team had really light. And they said, that's fine. Um, that's, that's maybe the one part of the proposal um, that we look to fix with the RPI, but as we start seeding teams for playoffs, there may be the one part where you're, you raise the eyebrow, like that team's seated a little bit higher than that team. I, I'm surprised about that, but you know, for us, the most important thing is everybody that should make it gets in and then we let it play out. Um, and the really important thing to notice is even if a team with a little bit of an inflated win percentage based on their schedule gets in, that doesn't take a spot away from another team that should be in as well. It's a good point. The quick question in Connecticut, what do their districts look like? So I, I don't, maybe you can give me some idea how long this model has existed in Connecticut, but what has fallen out at the district level as it relates to governance? You know, probably the best person to talk about the Connecticut stuff is uh, is Jordan McGurry, who's I've been working with on this. So he's he's from the area and he's kind of been our, our resident uh, researcher on that. So he he will probably be the best guy to talk to on on all things Connecticut. But um, he, he so he's the one to kind of introduce this model, and we've kind of tweaked and, and run with it and, and and trying to get it put forward for for 2021. Is, is he going to be on that, the call that you referenced on Tuesday? Yeah, so he and I will do a, the joint presentation. So uh, we've, been, we, we've been working closely on all this stuff. And uh, should we get some, some time at the state meeting, he'll, he'll be on the presentation as well. So, Excellent. The, the presentation on Tuesday, um, is there somewhere – is is the information for that presentation available publicly somewhere? Is there a website or something that folks can go to to get that information? Um, so today, which is Sunday, um, we sent out a, a reminder email to everybody on the THSLL, um, you know, contact list. Uh, we'll send another one out Tuesday, and we'll probably put it out on Twitter as well. Um, but it's just going to be a, a call in web presence or video in web presentation where. We'll get into the details, allow folks to ask questions, clarifications, that kind of stuff. So everybody that uh, wants to give their feedback or, or wants to get some clarifications can. And then if you, you can make it Tuesday night, we get it to, to anybody that wants to watch it. So, Gotcha. So how does <coughs> – excuse me – the – I think at this point, all of the districts have had their district meetings. Um, yes. 
I, and I think I've heard pretty similar reports back from all of the meetings. Um, I'm curious just, you know, how this plays out for this proposal, right? So the, the district meetings have occurred. I, I think if I, if I understood from the district meeting properly, it sounds like there's a vote that's coming maybe a couple of weeks out on, on maybe on their proposal. I'm not, I'm not sure I understand kind of the, the, the logistics of this and the timelines. Do you, do you know how all that's going to work out and how this proposal plays into that timeline? So I, I think it's a little bit up in the air. Um, at this point, the league has, has told us that we will give us some time to present. We are working on our petition. Um, so basically, we need to get enough teams to sign off to say they want this vote voted on. Um, and, and we'll send that out, uh, the, the petition, after our presentation on Tuesday. Um, so if, if there's something, even if you're not even sure you absolutely want to vote on, this is something you want to be on the ballot uh, on top of, in, even in addition to what the league is presenting, um, then, then it's worthwhile to, to build that proposal. And, and I think on a, on a bigger scale, I think we've got to kind of figure out as a league how we want to be run. Do we want this to be a program and coaches run league, similar to the kind of way the NCAA run, runs, or do we want to continue to be a league in which put that power in the board's hands and let them kind of tell us how they think things should be run. Um, it, it's been a little bit of a uphill battle with the league, um, trying to get this one presented well to all the teams. Um, I think it's tough for them to do a, a great presentation on just because it's not their fault and they don't know the ins and outs of it as, as well as the people to put together. Um, and that's fair. And then the fact that they also have their own proposal, which uh, they also have a vested interest in, um, it, it, it puts them in a tough situation to, to pitch two proposals fairly at these district meetings. So uh, that's why we wanted to do our presentation on Tuesday so we could make sure we, we tell our story on and everything that, that makes this proposal good and then um, hopefully get enough traction to, to get a vote on it. And, and then it gives programs about almost a year and a half to, to get ready for it. And we play this season, then know what our structure is going to look like going in for the uh, 2021 season. Is so we, I can appreciate that some of this is up in the air, and I apologize because I'm probably going to ask you to clarify a couple things that you can't. Is is THSLL are they requiring that these two proposals be on the same ballot, and and folks vote on one of the two proposals, or do you really even know how that mechanic's going to work? No, I, I don't. And no, they they have not even guaranteed us that if we make this, we uh, get the required numbers on this petition that is in the uh, THSO rulebook, that they will put this to vote. Um, we obviously want them to. We obviously want the show coaches a proposal to, to have an opportunity to be, be seen and, and voted on. Um, for us, we would be fine with kind of a dual vote where you can vote for one, you can vote for both, or you can vote for none of them. Um, and then if both proposals get over the uh, 66% needed supermajority, whatever proposal has the highest percentage would be the one going, going forward. Um, that, that is probably, to us, the fairest way. So you won't have to pick one versus the other. If you like both, you can vote for both. If you like one and you don't like the other, you can vote for that one. And then we kind of figure out where we go from there. 
Who, uh, you, you answered my question. I was going to ask about this, this, this petition and it, it's, I, my first reaction is, man, is that even in the existing bylaws? Which, <laughs> but it sounds like it. It, it is. It is. That, okay. <laughs> so my, I guess my question to uh, you is, who's who's eligible to sign that petition to get this proposal considered, and how many people do you have to get to sign that petition for this proposal to be considered? Um, it, it's very reasonable. It's you know. A coach or board member can can sign this petition for any program as long as they have that authority within their program. Um, and we just need 20% um, of the programs in the state. And I think the requirement of 50% of that 20% need to be from a district, not from the presenting district. Um, so I don't even know what our presenting district is since we have multiple districts working on this right now. But uh, so we basically need around 20 teams to, to sign this proposal to say, uh, or excuse me, petition to say we would like this voted on, uh, which I think we should be able to handle pretty easily. Yeah. So, and what, is there a deadline for that? We haven't been given a hard deadline, um, but I, I think we should be able to, the only deadline the league has given us was one to get them the full proposal by the end of last week, which, which we did. Um, so we'll, they haven't given us a hard deadline of proposal, but I think um, based on the, the conversations we've had across the state that we can get that filled out pretty quickly. Gotcha. Is there, so I know you mentioned you had submitted the full proposal to THSLL and I've, I've seen the, the kind of the one pager, mm -hmm. right? What's what's the best way for folks to get their hands on either that one pager or that full proposal? Are, are either of those available to folks? How can they get them if they're interested in reading through some of the details? Um, the one sheeter, um, ask any coach in the league, um, or you probably all received them in the emails that we sent out today. Um, and if you just need to contact me, you definitely can, or, or Jordan, our, our information's on the THSL website and, uh, we can, we will be happy to get to them. We can, we can post them on Twitter or online as well. If, if we need to, um, the full proposal, uh, um, you know, it's, it's not great reading. It's a lot of, a lot of text. So our presentation will probably be better, but once our presentation comes out, we'll, we'll put the full proposal out, uh, with it. So people can, can check it and make sure what we say is what we're actually pitching and, um, in, in that regard. But, um, so all that should be coming. We should have, have anything anybody wants available. Um, maybe even a copy of this podcast uh, sent out uh, after our presentation Tuesday. Gotcha. Yeah, this. My plan is to drop this this episode of this podcast tonight, so so folks should be able to to listen to it and hopefully get some questions answered. And maybe we can get them pointed in the right direction with some information. I mean, honestly, I don't know how anybody, um, you know, listens to this and listens to your proposal and. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty clear. It's pretty well thought out. Y'all y'all put some put some time into this, right? It's based on a model that's work that works, and I, and I, I really honestly don't know how the THSLL can't bring this forward to be considered and discussed more, right? <laughs> I, I mean, that, that that would just blow my mind, um, you know. And and I, I would encourage folks, you know, even if you're just diametrically opposed to 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 what Blake's saying here 
folks deserve the right to at least talk about it and debate it, right? And 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 we need to do whatever we can as as coaches to make sure this this proposal gets you know gets presented to, to THSLO and gets presented at these meetings so folks can have a say and debate it. And you know who knows, man? Maybe out of those some of those discussions, there's some awesome you know awesome little widget that can be added to this proposal to make it that much better that somebody's got in the back of their brain, right? Absolutely. Um, we put a lot of thought into it. Um, this, these conversations started almost two years ago with the, the coaches uh, advisory committee. Um, and this is kind of the, 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 the best thing that we've able to put together, but by no means are we the smartest guys ever. And we, we were always open to something that would make it better. So, yeah. And I've, I've been a big, and, and I know this, I've been a big proponent probably the last year or two of what you said earlier, right? These districts have different needs at this point. You know, Houston's needs right now are, are, are vastly different than Dallas's needs, right? And, and we've got to figure out some way, right, that this governing body can, uh, can accommodate, for, accommodate for that. Uh, and I think that's, that's really attractive. And I, I think that that sentiment is being shared by more and more coaches um, you know, secondhand coming out of the coaches meeting the other night, it seemed like that sentiment was raised on, on more than one occasion at the meeting here in Houston. Right. So I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, I think honestly that alone should, should, uh, should get people engaged and, and, and get them arguing and debating and discussing this. Right. Well, if, if I've learned anything from, from league meetings, there's never a shortage of arguing, debating. So um, we, we 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 reached out to. Um, I mean, by phone, I, I think probably every every program in the state um, at least we got a voicemail from us at some point in time. So uh, if, if if people got feedback, if people got questions, um, hit us up. We are we are here to hear it, and we are here to discuss. And um, we just want a fair system that works for as many teams as we possibly can. So we can really begin growing lacrosse in Texas again. Um, Cause we, I think we've kind of hit a little bit of a stall and there's so much more growth that can be ahead of us that um, we, we want to use this as a catalyst for, for program growth. Yep. Hit the nail on the head, hit the nail on the head for sure. Um, hey, anything you want to tell me? I, I, I feel like we've, we're, we've, we've kind of uh, let that let, let that topic run its course. Is there anything else you wanted to mention regarding regarding this coach's proposal or the, or the history of it or or anything? Any any details we missed? Um, nothing, nothing crazy. Probably the one thing that um, the, the probably the one thing that's been been hardest for for people to wrap their heads around. Um, not that it's a complex thing, but it's just so different than what we've been doing is, is with this model is you, you can actually have different size playoffs for each class, even if they have all the same amount of teams and you have different size playoffs from year to year, depending on how those teams in the class do during the regular season. Um, the other interesting part about playoffs is we're not immediately pitting an Austin team versus a Houston team or a San Antonio team versus a Dallas team as that first round of playoffs. Right. So everybody gets ranked as in, in their RPI. So you can have a Houston Houston matchup that first round of playoffs. Um, 
what would be silly is for us to have to send you to Dallas to play a Houston-Houston matchup. So we can actually have you guys play that locally the Thursday before Super Regionals. And that way the winner only has to go up on a Sunday to wherever they have to play. Um, we even have more flexibility if there are multiple teams in a little quadrant in the playoffs from the same district. We should put that quadrant in that district so we can cut down on the amount of travel that these programs are having to do over the two weekends of Super Regional Final Fours, um, as well as cut down on the referee travel expense. I think this past year, if you look at the budget, the league spent about $25,000 on 25 state playoff games and referees fees, travels, and per diems. Um, so it, it's a it's not our main you know selling point, but it, it can minimize travel in these state playoffs for the programs and for, for the league. Um, but we, we'll dive more into that uh, on Tuesday night. So. What's the – here's an interesting question I hadn't thought of till just now. So I'm going to keep you on the on the call just a little bit longer. <laughs> Here, what, yeah, good. What's the practical impact for the the THSLL apparatus under this proposal? Right. So, you know, now there's an office with I think one or two paid administrators. Right. There's a an entire board of folks and you know D two and 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 D one. Uh, administrators for each of the districts, and there's there's this there's this administrative apparatus that is THSLL. Under this proposal, how is that yeah. apparatus fixed or not fixed? Sorry, how is this apparatus affected? Sorry. Um, not drastically. It, it may take them. I mean, your district coordinator will still be involved in planning your meetings and figure out how your district is created. Now we want that in the hand, you know, we want the ideas we want, but you need a, a, a non-biased somebody to, to be the mediator in those meetings. Um, you know, it, it takes them a little bit out of the district structure a little bit, but uh, there's also a ton of other stuff that we could probably improve on the THSLL um, from the rules side or from the, you know, eligibility side or, or whatever we need to clean up. Um, so as far as their roles, it, it really doesn't affect them too much either way. Gotcha. Perfect. Hey man, I, uh, unless you've got anything else, we can wrap this up. I, I tell you what the, I know this is completely off topic. Um, but the one thing I loved about this, this, I mean, I, this, don't get me wrong. This was an awesome discussion and, and I could talk about this frankly for days, um, and just get totally nerded out. Um, <laughs> But you know, there was there was something that jumped out at me right towards the end of the discussion that was super cool, and that was the amount of time and effort uh -huh. that you guys have put into this. Right, this isn't something that y'all got together on a weekend with a few beers, right, and busted out the laptop and pounded something out of Microsoft Word. I mean, it's pretty clear that y'all been out <laughs> pounding the pavement, right, talking to folks, engaging coaches, right, do, doing all your homework on this, and the 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 you know the passion. Right for the game, right, and, and and the belief in the game, right, and the in the the concern about the game, and you you talked about it, right, the concern about the growth of the game that you guys have shown through your effort on this, man, that's awesome. I I, I love that, right. I, I just wanted to throw that in there. That that that's that's way cool, man. So I I appreciate it. Um, you know, there there it's funny. 
you call all these coaches across the the state um, and to have these conversations and sometimes it's a little tough to get them out of their own silos of their own program. But once you kind of get them thinking big picture, we all want the same thing. And all the coaches, either if they're native Texans or from wherever in this country, this country they came from, they all want the same thing for everybody for this entire state to grow and continue to, to maximize its potential. Um, and it's been a fun project to reach out across district lines and, um, work with a lot of different coaches in a lot of different areas with a lot of different perspectives and then come up with something great. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes we just get so caught up in our, the silos of our own programs and the silos of our own districts, um, to, to work together enough. And this has been a really rewarding project, no matter what the result is, because we've got to work with the entire state, um, and, and put something really nice together. So, uh, it's, Hopefully we get a pass. Hopefully this is the future. Uh, we think it's a bright future, but um, the, the project has been worthwhile regardless. So, Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Great job. All right. Well, I think that's all Blake and I have. Um, hey, if, if, if ever, anybody wants to get a hold of Blake um, or is interested in the, in the Tuesday meeting and they haven't, or the Tuesday presentation and they haven't seen anything, they can certainly reach out to me. Um, I can get you pointed at Blake. Um, you know, he can answer questions, get you pointed in the right direction, get you information. Um, want to make sure we get as many folks as possible listening and participating in this for sure. Blake, I, I appreciate you spending your side, set your Sunday night with me. I know you've probably got a million other things you should be doing on Sunday night at nine o'clock. <laughs> so I, I appreciate it. Well, well, this proposal is taking a lot of Sunday nights, so it's, it's kind of common right now. So I, I appreciate your time and, and willingness to have me on. So Yeah, it was awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks very much.